0: Hello, Auburn family. This is your boy, Jason Campbell, uh, your host of On to Victory podcast here with our co- Auburn Collective. Uh, we had a great show for you today. Uh, We're excited to bring on, you know, one of our special guests, my co-host, Jason Caldwell, who everyone knows so well, uh, who covers a lot of Auburn sports and uh, the man on the campus, as I call him, uh, is also going to be chiming in here as, as uh, today. And uh, guys, we got a great, great show for you. And we don't want to make our coach wait too much longer because he's a guy that has a, a lot to do. And, uh, and I'm sure he has other plans, but he he feels special to come on here with you. So I'm going to bring in Coach Brent Crouch. How are we doing? How you doing, Jason and Jason? Hey, doing pretty good. Doing coach great.
1: Sister. We're doing great. We appreciate you joining us. Thanks, yes, thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: So coach, a little bit about your background. I understand you was at the, you know, you was at USC for a long time. You actually played yourself in beach volleyball. You also coached, I mean, you also played indoor volleyball and, you know, personally, you know, I kind of enjoy, you know, when I lived out in California for two years, the weather, I know you don't get the same weather here, so you probably don't get a chance to get in the beach volleyball, but talk about the main difference between the two.
1: Yeah. um, Well, I mean, mostly when you're you know besides the surface right when you're in the beach you're on the sand and uh obviously on the hard court when you're inside but you're playing on the beach or you've got two players typically so it's 2 versus 2 um you know at the higher levels one of those one of those players are blocking the other one's playing defense behind behind the blocker and uh you know it really challenges you to be an all-around volleyball player you've got to pass and set and hit and do everything that it's not specialized very much and indoor is you got six on a side and you've got people that are Just like other sports basketball or football or baseball you have people that are specialized in certain ways so you've got a setter indoor and they set every every pass to hitters so they're kind of like the quarterback you got people that just play in the back row and they don't need to be real big and tall at the net blocking and so they're passing and, and digging you know attacks from the other side and and so um yeah it's a lot more specialized um and uh the indoor game is because you're, you're on a hard court and you're not dealing with wind and you're not dealing with sun, um, it, it's faster and more powerful. Um, but when you're out there in the sand uh, watching these athletes, it's it's pretty impressive. You know, it's hard to walk down the beach, much less, less, you know, run and jump and, and do all those skills. But it, it's a little bit more physically demanding and makes you kind of more of a general kind of volleyball player when you're playing in the sand.
0: Yeah. yeah. I always wanted to play uh play beach volleyball. You know, I always thought it looked fun, especially when you know you're watching it on TV. And but unfortunately, you know, it was in our contrast that we couldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh,
2: <laughs>
0: anything. So I always wanted to know if I would be at the net or I would be the guy in the back. But you know, just speaking real quick, coach, in 2020 you was hired to Auburn. And uh-huh. you know, coming from West Coast to East Coast, you know, um, just talk about what made you want to make that move um to, to come to Auburn
1: yeah well I mean, there were it was kind of a lot of reasons that that headed in the kind of the same direction and, and maybe i'll start kind of general and then get a little specific so kind of generally um volleyball you know and it has been a huge sport on the west coast and uh but it is migrating its way from the west to the east and so you know the best players in the country now of course there's good ones you can recruit in california but the best ones now are texas midwest florida Atlanta has got some unbelievable players. North Carolina's coming along, you know, Kentucky, you know, these areas. So the center of gravity has kind of moved a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're looking at national championships for the last few years. You know, Kentucky and the SEC has been there, right? Nebraska, Wisconsin, um, Texas last year. Um, So the volleyball has has become really national in a way that it wasn't when I first started coaching. You know, when I was first coaching, you wanted to play high-level volleyball, you wanted to coach high-level volleyball, you go to California that's yeah. what you do and that's yeah. what I did when I was in my early 20s um but but now it's you know it's just different um you know the conferences are different um I, I didn't of course I wish I could say I could predict what was going to happen with the SEC yeah. and the Big Ten but I did know the Pac-12 was kind of in trouble a little bit and uh and then we've seen that right USC All and right. UCLA have left and you know Texas you know and OU joining the SEC is just it's just different. The level of everything in the SEC is just through the roof. And um, I wanted to be a part of that. Um, and I just frankly, I just I like I like building, you know, and, and right. you know, you can't build, though, unless you got a place you can build. Right. I mean, you can't just go to the middle of nowhere and build a national championship team, but you can at a place like Auburn that wins national championships and other sports, you know, right. and has a national brand and is ready to kind of put some money into volleyball and, and do it. And and uh our previous athletic director alan green you know was on board with that wanted to do it and john cohen you know is pushing us in the same direction and that's fantastic so um you know i mean usc won six national championships in the history of the program but the last one was 2000 i think three mm-hmm. um and uh and, and the last ones have not been out on the west coast they just like i said texas and kentucky most recently um and then finally you know kind of personal note i you know i've got two little kids and uh they're five and seven and raising them in auburn you know they i right. mean disneyland right was in la but like we couldn't go to disneyland that's like three yeah. hours away right, yeah, right. The so you know here they're uh you know they're going to all the games they're high five and obby they like you know i'm 10 minutes from my house you know so i mean You're i was a lot of my other jobs but you know I, I work just as much now but i'm not in the car and so that's that's pretty cool so those are some of the reasons that's yeah, great. That's awesome. You, Just,
0: yeah. Jason, I'll let you go ahead and uh, chime in.
3: Yeah. Brent, you talked about the kind of the way the game has changed and it's kind of softball has kind of done the same thing where it was all a West Coast game for a while. And now it's moved to how much have you seen that develop from the club perspective? Because under volleyball is a club game and, and people think about that in terms of AAU basketball for you know basketball and you know, travel ball and baseball and softball. but for volleyball as club teams. Have you seen mm-hmm. that growth in the Southeast? Is that one of the reasons why?
1: Yeah. I, you know, absolutely. When I was out, um, first was out in California. I started coaching club uh, before I was doing college. It was like 2000, 2000, I guess, 2001. And, um, you know, I, we were beaten up on Texas teams and, you know, beaten up on teams in the Southeast and, and then around 2000, eight or nine, you know, all of a sudden you started seeing um, some of these clubs that were winning in areas that were not from California. So I, I just mentioned Texas, Texas again. I mean, that that is just an absolute hotspot for recruits now. And uh, now that we got the two flagship schools in the SEC, it's even better to recruit out of there. Um, Same with Florida. There's a bunch of clubs there that that are that are winning at a high level, and you're just you're seeing it. You know, Alabama doesn't have. You know, we really need the population to be higher. You know, we were only what I don't know four or five million here, but it is moving in the right direction. Um, There's some good clubs in Birmingham, uh, and another one down in Mobile that's doing really well. Um, So yeah, we're seeing we're absolutely seeing it. it. You're 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 right. I mean, the club stuff started before it started getting better in college. Right, and that's that's how it goes. All of a sudden, you can recruit kids when they're uh, you know, twelve and thirteen out of Texas or Florida or Atlanta, and and you just weren't doing that before because they weren't there. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of room still to grow though in the southeast, and that's that's exciting.
3: You mentioned Texas, played at Texas A and M with Texas A and M, and then you've been on the West Coast. You you talked about two hot spots for for volleyball. Mm
1: -hmm. How valuable
3: is that to recruit to Auburn? because of the connections that you've made throughout your career.
1: Oh, it's great. You know, one of the, one of the biggest and best clubs in Texas, uh, Skyline, uh, I was roommates, you know, with the directors of that club, you know, the, uh, the, the one I was just actually at Houston at a different club. It's actually under the Skyline umbrella. And, uh, you know, the two folks that are running it now are both Texas A&M grads, you know, where I went. So, um, absolutely. You know, it's just I'm sure it's like that in every other sport. You know, you you need the brand to recruit to. You need you need to be winning, but you need the relationships. And uh, um, yeah, that's been that's been great to be from that area. And uh, we've got connections kind of everywhere now, you know, at this point. And our roster is all over the place, right? It's Minnesota, Virginia, Florida, North Carolina, Minnesota, um, Colorado. You know all over the, uh, california got an la player or setter jackie barrett so it's mm-hmm. it's you can go national now and auburn's a national brand so we can bring them here
0: yeah i was also just saying uh you know listening to, to you explain you know like the variety of players that come from all all over the u.s like i said that auburn brand is kind of you know it's taking off a little bit and uh that's kind of like in every sport right now and <laughs> you was talking about your kids being able to be here in auburn and yeah and i have to sit on the 405 traffic for a long time <laughs> you know you can sit on there for two three hours uh, if there's an accident or something so I, I understand and like i said auburn is a special place and you know just piggyback and just what we were talking about earlier when you think about the sec as a whole like what's the biggest challenge that you think you have to face this year
1: well, I mean, the t- the, the conference is, is just every year it's getting better and better. So we've got, you know, a young roster. We started six freshmen this last year. Um, on the one hand, that's very exciting, you know, because we've got mm-hmm. a foundation that's going to build the next few years. But when I look at, you know, where are we going to finish next year and can we keep going up? Um, it's not like the other programs are, are staying still, you know, or, yeah, or moving right. backwards. Right. I mean, the, you know, there's still kids out there that have extra eligibility from COVID. And uh, we got a couple of those this year, um, a couple of transfers. Kyla Swanson is one. Bella Bell from Kentucky is one um, that, that have both finished their undergrad coming from Illinois and Kentucky. You know, really, really good volleyball programs coming here. But, you know, Tennessee's loading up on those same players too, right? Yeah. Uh, Georgia's getting some of those kids. Florida got some. Um, so you know the 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 depth is crazy and i think it's going to keep going that way you know 10 years ago when i was still i don't know maybe he's 12 and i was still an assistant coach i was at st mary's college in california and they, they got a pretty good basketball program. They're doing okay in the tournament <laughs> yeah. right now. And they had and and still do have a good volleyball program. But back back when I was there, it, it certainly wasn't me as an assistant coach why they were so great. But they were top twenty five. Mm. And uh, that's you know you're not you're just not seeing that you know at, at mid majors anymore. Um, in volleyball, it's it's becoming all the all the power fives are are uh, are getting the best recruits now. And um, you know when I was at University of Portland, my first head coaching job, we came down and went to Mississippi State for a preseason tournament and beat (laughs) everybody there including Mississippi State all right I mean there's 4,000 students that go to University of Portland in the Pacific Northwest you know we came out and beat everybody and uh that's not happening now it's just not you know there's no one in the league that isn't really really good and I expect all the teams to be in the top 75 top 60 RPI this year we had seven teams in the tournament last year the SEC um I think it's just going to keep going that way so Um, We just got to keep up recruiting, you know, and um, I don't know, viewers probably or listeners probably don't know exactly what scholarships look like for uh, for volleyball. But, uh, you know, basketball's got, you know, they start five players and then maybe they've got a rotation that gets down Mm -hmm. to nine or ten, you know, but maybe maybe eight, you know, on, on, you know, when you're in the tournament. Um, And then I think they've got 15 scholarships for for women's volleyball. We start six actually seven there's six on the court but there's one that's called a libero and they can kind of go in and out freely as a defensive sub so there's seven that are playing all the time and then typically there's two or three that are also in the rotation so we're at nine or ten that are playing every match and we have 12 scholarships So it's really difficult to get the depth that you need, you know, and, and to recruit at this level. And um, you know, the the stuff that's going on with, with the collective here in IL, I mean, that's an area that can help um, all the sports, um, but, but volleyball too, but we've got to get, we've got to keep recruiting at a really high level and until Alabama volleyball gets to, to the right place, we got to go out of the state. You know, we've got one player coming in from Alabama. We have none on the roster right now. We have one coming in in 2024, and that's it. And so it's all out of state and dealing with out of state tuition and, and things like that. So that's the biggest thing, right? It's like that in every sport though, right? You gotta you gotta right. get players, yeah. man. You gotta get all the coaches are good, but you gotta all get right. players.
0: But I like how you was you was talking about the scholarship standpoint. So in volleyball, it's not full scholarships.
1: It is, it is so full. It is, okay. it is full. So when you give those out, you can maybe give the one thing you can do. So if somebody's on a scholarship for a year, they're, it's a hundred percent. All right. Okay. But they may not be, they may not have every year at a hundred percent, but if they're not at a hundred percent, they're at zero for that year. Oh. There's no in between. So oh. all, all in is great, you know, but uh, you know, if they're, if we don't have enough and we, we can only give somebody two out of the four years or one out of the four, it's gone after that. Okay. And so that, that piece makes it, you know, we we can't we we have twelve scholarships, but you can't have twelve players on a team. It's oh, yeah. impossible. Yeah, you. Right? Have it's not thing. enough. Like you need like sixteen or seventeen.
3: Yeah, I'll so say what what is the roster size? What's the normal roster size? What's your what's your roster size for volleyball?
1: Yeah, we've, we're we're going to be seventeen this fall, and I think that I think the average is right at seventeen to eighteen oh, yeah. in the NCA.
3: So you have yeah. five five walk ons that will be full walk ons for a year then.
1: Yeah, at least, a year, at least, at least a, year. a year. Most of them, you know, that are not getting the four year are like two years max, and some of them are a one.
3: Yeah, you try to go, uh, yeah. hey, a couple of years, stick with us, and then maybe by year three, we can can find a scholarship for you if you continue to progress. Those kind of things.
1: Yeah, yeah, those kind of things. Yeah. Right.
3: Uh, how yeah. much? How much did last season, especially, um, change the perception for recruits by going? an ncaa tournament winning a match pushing a number pushing a a top seed how much have you seen that change the perception on the recruiting trail already
1: well i mean you saw the first cash in of that with the three transfers that we got in december okay so we added three players um i already mentioned two kyla swanson from illinois um, starting middle for them and they're a top 50 team they're going to the tournament most of the years and they were sweet 16 i think a year ago Kentucky right we got the middle who won that started and won the national championship now those kids are not coming to Auburn if we are not competitive and they of course uh, you know Bella Bell knew because she saw the program going in the right way we were playing in the same conference and competing you know Mm -hmm. and she actually wanted she loved Auburn as an undergrad or as a high school student really and but the the program wasn't at the level you know where she could really go there and uh so she chose kentucky because the volleyball was at the right place and but she always wanted to be at auburn and then now right we're good and she's like let's go i got another year actually she has two years of eligibility so wow. she's coming for two uh kyla actually was at the creighton match she she lives nearby in nebraska <laughs> and illinois got bounced a little bit before us and uh so she came over we had talked to her on the phone a little bit when she went in the portal and uh came and watched the match and uh you know she was on a visit the next week so And then uh, Peyton Dunn is the setter started at Oklahoma and uh, same thing, right? She, she saw what we did in the tournament and saw that, you know, we got a great video team here and they're getting, getting the word out and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, so that paid off on the transfer portal. And then we're going to find out what, you know, what happens June 15th when we're able to contact the younger players, but already just the the conversations with, you know, clubs and recruiting coordinators, um, you know, it's, we're going to be in the mix with the right level kid.
0: Yeah. Coaching you got to understand the landscape of college sports have changed when it comes to the student athletes and they're in different things in the NIL, uh, standpoint of it. You know, everyone's still trying to learn what is NIL and, yep. uh, and everything, but talk about, you know, NIL can't affect our students until they're assigned with us and on campus. And how does NIL can play a role the our student athletes as part of the volleyball program that are here
1: yeah well you know some of them come in you know already you know having made deals for their name image and likeness right and uh mm-hmm. you know before right they came in and then they had to quit all of it i remember having discussions with you know some of the players that had uh-huh. you know huge social media followings you know people volleyball you know kind of lends itself you know modeling a little bit so there's players that have modeling contracts before they get to school and then they end up having to not they can't do that stuff anymore Mm -hmm. so we don't have to have those uncomfortable conversations anymore like hey come come play (laughs) and then give up you know the money that you're making here and and so on so that that's great all right now uh, but, you know, the further piece is as they get better and, and they get to they have people reaching out, that's awesome for them. But in terms of what I look at it from like a general manager standpoint as a coach, um, you know, there's basically two. And I'm sure it's similar for most sports, but, um, you know, the high, high, high level kid um you know, they're getting they're getting their four year offer and then they, they're expecting to make money through NIL. And that's yeah. usually coming through the collective or, or something else at a school that they're going to. Um, and, I'm you know, I, I can't verify anything because no one no one actually shares any of this. But for right. the, the high, the blue chippers in volleyball, uh, I'm hearing five and six figures for NIL deals for them, wow. you know, when they're signing. And they are absolutely asking about it um, when I'm talking to them the first time I'm on the phone june 15th is when i can contact players um heading into their junior year they're they're talking about it and their parents are asking about it they're asking about the collective they're asking about what are players kind of making what what kind of deals look like for them and they're comparing they're for sure comparing so the blue chippers are comparing that stuff but the the other the other group is the is the group that i kind of have mentioned already the ones that are not on full scholarships you know and that piece is more important it's more important um, We 12 scholarships. That sounds like a lot full, you know, 12 full scholarships. It's right. not when you're playing mm-hmm. nine or 10 people, you need 17. Not you, I mean, 12 players, if you only have 12 players, you can barely scrimmage and practice, you know, because you need six on one side, six on the other. There are no subs, right, right. at all. If anybody's hurt for a day, you're no longer playing six, six, uh, six wow. on six. You're, you can't you, you need 17 to even have like a functioning practice at the right level and you're asking kids to come and uh and pay their own way and and if they are good enough to be here at Auburn and be in our gym that means they're good enough for a full scholarship someplace else mm-hmm. they're just not good enough for a full scholarship here at Auburn you know or or maybe we just don't have enough because we're stuck at 12 mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Um, so these are kids that are that are coming here and want to help the program, you know, push forward. Um, but they're doing it on their own dime, and because ninety nine point nine percent of them are outside of Alabama, they're they're dealing with, you know, really high tuition costs, and that reduces the pool even further of people that can we can recruit here. So, you know, if we had if we had eighteen scholarships, this would be a non issue. Right, I'd just be talking about the blue chippers and other, you know, but I'm I'm talking about the kids that are like these are good kids that are out there playing for us and we're going to the tournament and they're they're paying their own way, and uh, th- those are ones that, that I really uh, you know they're they're getting a little money now, um, but we can we, we really need some help there. Yeah,
3: and that's that's where nil can you right can bridge that gap a little bit where you're talking yep. about you said you'd like to have 18. Well, through nil you might be able to get close to 18 if. If, the, if that money comes through and somebody right. that's a walk on and gets that NIL help, you're right. That, that, then that opens the door for kids that you wouldn't been able to get otherwise.
1: Uh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Right. Well, Coach, we appreciate your
0: time. Uh, Jason, I don't know if you have anything else you want to ask, Coach. I uh, that
3: was good stuff. Hopefully, people enjoy it. I know I did. Okay.
0: okay. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time because that was great, you know, educating everyone about the volleyball program and and the scholarships that you only get 12 scholarships and how some kids have to wait until their junior year before they can even get a, a full scholarship. So I don't think a lot of people knew that uh, and including myself a little bit. So we thank you for your time and, and everything. So subscribers, fans uh, continue to support our programs. Uh, you you see here, you you heard it from Coach First why it's important to get involved and stay involved. So let's continue to support our student athletes and and stay in a competitive environment. So coach, thank you for all you do. I wish you much success in the future and
1: uh, War Eagle. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate, uh, you know, being here with you and and so grateful for what on to victory and and all this, you know, the the folks that are donating to that and subscribing to it, appreciate the work they're doing. And, uh, and we're going to, we're going to keep building winners here at Auburn. So War Eagle. War Eagle, Coach.
2: War Eagle, this is John Cohen, and I fully endorse On to Victory and its mission to support our student-athletes. Let's all do our part and join On to Victory today. War Eagle.
0: All right, Auburn fans, you just heard from Coach Brent Crouch uh, talking about the volleyball team and, you know, the expectations that it takes to, to win in the SEC, and and the 12 scholarships that only you get as a volleyball, I mean, in volleyball and, you know, the need to, to be able to one day to get more scholarships. But how help comes into this. So, you know, subscribers continue to support us, continue to help us out uh, as we continue to move along. And uh, like I said, I promise you a great show today. Guys, we got the new athletic director. You know, I, I, I know his schedule is full from top to bottom. And I've had the opportunity to meet him personally. You know what a great guy, what a great get for Auburn. Uh, you know he's been a guy that's been part of the SEC at Mississippi State, and uh, you saw what he done with that program there, especially with those baseball facilities and and everything. And you know we're happy to have him at, him at Auburn, and uh, let's not wait, make him wait any much longer, Jason. I know we're ready to chime in, and uh, we got three JCs today, uh, so we'll is. bring in we'll bring in Mr. John cohen
2: Hey, how we doing, fellas?
1: We're doing, doing
0: great.
2: JC times three. That's it. That's it. Uh,
0: I think this got to be a first. (laughs) Yeah, it got to be a first. Uh, Three JCs. I don't think you get that that often. But uh, you know, one of us on here is younger than the rest of us. All I know, I don't know which one that is. That could be Caldwell. That could be you, Mr. Cohen. You know, they tell me I'm getting gray in my beard now.
2: They say that youth is wasted on the young. Oh,
3: that, that's it, or is you're only as young as you feel. Either way, I don't know what I don't know how that works either. Sometimes.
0: All right, all right, well, Mr. Cohen, we appreciate your time, and uh, we know you have a busy schedule. And you know, just talk about you know being part of the SEC for for years, and you know now coming over to Auburn. And what do you see in Auburn? What do you like about it? And and you know, I understand there's some improvements coming with the facilities in the future. Uh, just talk about the state of the Auburn program right now.
2: Well, you know, I've been a part of the Southeastern Conference since I was fortunate enough to play baseball in it many years ago. And, and, and in fact, we're just about to put a, a statue in the ground here of the great Frank Thomas, who I had the great fortune, fortune of playing against. And uh, he, <laughs> he was every bit as good as what you <laughs> might think he was. He, he was a phenomenal player. And of course, really the only, the only hall of famer in the history of the mm-hmm. southeastern conference which is kind of amazing yeah. in, in and of itself but yeah. the transition to auburn has been tremendous i really enjoyed my time at mississippi state um but what an incredible opportunity here at auburn and the auburn spirit as both of you know and i'm new to the auburn spirit but the the auburn spirit is something that just overwhelms you you know jason my first game here um was a texas a m game and, and just to be a part of that and see you know, an environment that was, you know, an SEC championship type of environment and, and not discrediting the players that played in that game. But you had two, three and seven teams mm-hmm. playing. But the environment was like you had two undefeated teams playing. So that that was my first introduction to the Auburn spirit. And it hasn't slowed down since that moment. And I just feel privileged to, to be part of it.
0: Yeah, I was, yeah, I remember that game, uh, the AM game. It was, you know, everyone's looking around just like, guys, like we do feel like an undefeated season, but it just was a change of, you know, sometimes change need changes is needed. And that was just um, you know, definitely evident in that in in that situation with Cadillac taking over as head coach and uh, and the players kind of getting re-energized. Um uh when you look at our programs and and everything from from top to bottom, uh, I understand a lot of people you know, talking about some of our facilities is going to be improved uh, throughout throughout the next coming years. What are some of the ones that you see that are like right now that need to be high up on the list?
2: Well, we we certainly have some uh, some wants and, and some needs, and I'm working very closely with Dr. Roberts. You know, when you look across the, the board, um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion here at Auburn about the north end zone. We're going to have further mm-hmm. discussion. Um, you know, that's something that, is is has always been noticed and and there are some needs there for sure you know you are on the boards we have future uh practice basketball facilities that that needed to be added on to what i think is the best you know arena in the southeastern conference neville arena uh but there are some practice needs for our men's and women's teams and quite frankly our volleyball teams that that have to be addressed you know our soccer fields Need to be addressed we're just about to start a project in baseball you know coach butch thompson's done such a great job but I, I will tell you guys i mean currently our baseball facility is is probably at the bottom of the southeastern conference and we're going to do something about that um just built a, a, a beautiful hitting facility over at softball but we're going to do some things at, at softball as well so there there are a lot of needs guys but we have to go step by step and we're going to work with With our board, we're going to work with university officials. We're going to work with our architects, and we're going to make sure we do this the right way. And sometimes that means it taking a little bit longer when you want to do it the right way.
3: All right, John, you're talking about the facility side of things, and obviously NIL has to factor in too. You've been the administrative side, coaching side, all those things. How do you balance the importance of both of those things? Because they're both needed. Obviously, facilities are important. NIL is important. How do you balance that? And 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 and, and that's probably one of the challenges of trying to make everything work together, isn't it?
2: Yeah. I, I boy, I, I can't screw up names today. All I have to do is say the well, Jason, <laughs> word. Jason, that's, that's it. it. Um, you, you bring up a really interesting point for sure. I mean, there's only a finite amount of money, and our our fans, our alumni, our donors have been so good to us here at Auburn University, and on to victory is another great example of that. Certainly, you do have to balance that out because there are going to be, there are definite needs in terms of collectives, and Onda Victory has done an amazing job with that. Um, and what we're asking everybody to do is this. If you feel like Onda Victory is a priority for you, we want you to help in that area. If, if you feel like prior, if facilities are priority, we want you to act upon that as well. Um, and I understand both sides of it. Um, I understand that if you are somebody of my age, you might say, well, collectives and student athletes, they name of it, your likeness opportunities, I just don't get it. Well, we might not get it at our age, but the, the issue is it's here and it's here to stay. Some form of this is going to exist forever. And a good friend of mine once said this, and I will say this to you guys, um, it's never going to be the way it used to be. Jason, when you played, it's right. never going to be the way it was when you played. But that doesn't mean it has to be exactly the way it is now. Right. And Jason Caldwell, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, um, and, and I mean this: what we are all looking for is a standard, right? So you know, in football, you got to get go ten yards to get a first down. Well, right now we're getting answers. You know, from the NCAA and and memo (laughs) forms. Eight and a half or
3: 13. (laughs)
2: Yeah, you know, first down might be 9.9. It might be 11 tomorrow. You know, we need a standard for what we can and can't do for the wonderful people that are supporting our collective. Because quite frankly, we can't do it without you.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. And like I said, change is always going to come. And like I said, older players, you know, we always even even in the NFL and even in, in college, you know, you come back, you see the locker room, you see the facility that the the football program has now. You know, I, t- I tell everybody, I said, man, we were standing, you know, in the backyard woods compared to where these guys stand. And now they have the four seasons. And uh, but that's what you want from your programs. You want to see. You want to see the the next generation have better and i think the nil perspective you know it was just kind of dropped on everybody like really quick you know with no parameters and like you said no standards around it and you know people are still trying to figure out what is nil and how does it fit into our student athletes uh can you just talk a little bit more about like how do you see it right now and and where it's possibly going
2: well jason first of all I appreciate you saying that because yeah, you know, I feel the same way as an old baseball guy. Like I look mm-hmm. at some of the facilities around college baseball now and I go, wow, you know, right. I, I mean that's that's pretty significant. Um and you do want that for future generations. What I do know, Jason, is this we have athletes who have needs. We we do. And we have other athletes who 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 might not necessarily have the same needs. We need to address all the needs of our student athletes. College, no matter if you're on scholarship or not, is an expensive proposition. Uh, we get that, um, and, and we know that our student athletes have value in an NIL market. Um, but as long as it can't be direct, directly done by the institution, we're going to have to rely on others. And again, I on to victory have been so good for Auburn to Auburn. Um, it, it, it's just it's it's been an amazing situation that that on to victory is done. but. You know, with NCAA rules, the connectivity between an institution and a collective can only go so far. And that's what's difficult to explain to people uh, on both sides of this, because we want to be fully supportive of this collective. Because this collective is trying to help Auburn athletes, and, and we are all for that. But at the same time, we have to follow all the rules. We're going to follow all the rules, both NCAA, state laws, all those things. Um, so... It's not, it is a little bit complicated, but again, all we're looking for is a set of standards so that doesn't matter. Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, everybody's on the same playing field. Everybody's competing the same way. And right now, unfortunately, it just doesn't appear that that's the case.
3: I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Uh, We talked a little bit about NIL and some of those things in the needs areas. Um, when when I talked to you early on about Auburn, you're you're a guy that that knows SEC history. Um, I want you to tell people your your Auburn thoughts and one of the, and some of those things that you thought about Auburn before you took the job, and maybe how that's grown and and even matured now that you're on campus for a while.
2: Yeah, you know, Jason, I've always felt like Auburn had athletes that transcended their sports right outside my office here is a picture of rowdy games. Yeah. I mean, you can't speak about the history of swimming in the Southeast conference without rowdy Gaines. You can't speak about the history of athletics in the Southeast conference without Bo Jackson. You can't talk about baseball without the big hurt, Frank yeah. Thomas. Um, you can't talk about the history of this league in women's basketball without talking about Ruthie Bolton, um, You know, know, without talking about Joe, you know, who, by the way, I've enjoyed listening to our men's uh, (laughs) broadcast. I I mean, we just had so many great teams, great athletes who have transcended sports. But, but again, I always go back to this Auburn spirit, and of all the places I've been, it's it's never been more palpable than it is on this campus. The will to win, the 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 will to want to win championships. you know, I, I, I've always read this, and now I completely understand it. You know, in all these surveys, and what do surveys know? I don't know. Are they accurate or are they not? I don't know. But Auburn has been listed as the student body at Auburn is the happiest student body in America. You know, wow. we, we just came off a year, well, uh, a cycle where 48,000 plus students Applied to Auburn University by far and away the most in the state of Alabama. Um, this is a special place, and it's not a secret anymore. I think maybe, maybe at one point, even when I was in school, Auburn was a little bit of a secret in terms of the academic uh, traditions on this campus and the athletic. No, no more. I, I don't think it's a secret anymore. And all you have to do is walk into any airport in this country with something like this here. And, <laughs> You know, so somebody's going to give you a war eagle because we got right. folks out there. It's just a, it's just a wonderful environment to be in.
0: Yeah, I, I was I was piggyback out there. My uh, brother actually went to Mississippi State, so I used to go up there and watch him play when he was there from '94 to '98 and uh, and everything. So, like I say, you being involved in the SEC, you know a, a lot about all the SEC programs, and you know, that's why I always tell people they say. I say it's not that I just support SEC. I, like, I, so, I, I support it because I feel a part of it for all the programs because when you compete against each other, it doesn't matter. You're always competing, but it's in a good way. Um, when you think about the rule changes, like Jason was saying, changing format from NIL to, to different questions, there are some rules that's probably going to be changed this year when it comes to NCAA football. And they're talking about the clock, and they're talking about trying to shorten the game. Where are we at with that right now?
2: Yeah, um, just a lot of good narratives. There's, there's something. There's a football rules committee that oversees that. Uh, there's a football oversight committee as well. So there's several, several governing bodies that do a great job with the sport of football. I, I will say this. I, you know, in my sport of baseball, I'm the Division One fortunate enough to be the Division One chair of the baseball committee. Um, baseball needed to speed up. Um, I'm just not convinced football does. Here's why. You go to a football game it's an event you know that it's going to take a while um you, you, and i know they've talked about speeding up the games where in an incomplete pass, pass they as soon as they mark the football they keep running clock i i get some of that but at the same time i don't see fans leaving football games because they feel like they're too long i don't see people turning the channel because they feel like the football game's too long so this is just one man's opinion I just, you only play 12 games in a regular season and each, and you know, we only play seven home games. It's viewed as an event. Everybody knows it's going to be, you know, in terms of tailgating everything else, it's going to be an all day event. I I don't see that there are time issues in the sport of football. Now, now other sports, I will say there are like baseball, there are real issues. And by the way, so far, an average division one baseball game is 20 minutes faster this year than it was just a year ago. So we've made some real improvement there, but Jason, I don't know how you feel about it, but I just feel like football, at least in terms of the rules and timing, I, I think we're in a good place right now. I, I don't think it's broken.
0: Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. When I when I read the rules where it's talking about an incomplete pass and the clock keeps going, I was just like that's going to shorten your play calls at least 15 or 20 a game, you know, depending on what kind of offense you run. And and then it kind of takes away from the narrative of football. You know, we always talk about this. It seems like every year there's five to seven rule changes. And people, when you think you just when you find out that, you know, football, you just don't know as much as you thought you knew because there's another rule change. And I agree with you. I think the games are not as long as people think they are um i think you'll miss out on the concept if you make that type of rule change i think you're gonna hurt the game more than helping the game um you know because in those situations i understand once they say once you get below two minutes they're kind of treated like the nfl um i understand some of those rules and different things so yes i i do agree with you on, on all those points and and everything but hopefully they don't make too many changes um because i don't want a, the football game to always be a just changing i know we're trying to evolve the game but some things need to stay the same
3: yeah it's it's different too between taking time away between mm-hmm. and changing the actual game when you when you run the clock after an incomplete pass that changes that you've changed the game in baseball they've just sped the game up between mm-hmm. plays and between situations those are completely different things so yeah I agree. I think there's ways to do it without changing the physical way the game's played.
2: Well, also, Jason, both Jasons, um, you know, <laughs> we got, you know, a really good baseball team at the college level is going to play 70 baseball games. You know, 70 baseball games that are taking three hours. That That's a challenge for the future of the game itself. When you're only playing 12 total and seven of them are at home. I, again, I just don't see this as something that's broken. I, I will say this. I've spoken to some uh, television people. They do like the three-hour window, the two-hour and 30-minute to three-hour window for football. And they believe that this would get it back into that window. But again, I, I just – I don't see many people, especially in our neck of the woods in the deep south. I don't see many folks turning off All right. watch football games because they feel like it's too long. All
0: right. And I say this, too, uh, you know, we have Texas in Oklahoma that's coming to the conference here soon. And you, you look at basketball, you know, Texas is a, a two seed in basketball. You know, Oklahoma has been a good basketball program over the years. We know they, what they bring football wise uh, from an SEC as a whole. Um, I know this is going to be a very, very competitive because both of those teams are really good in baseball. So how do you how do you feel with these two teams coming in, what it's going to do for the SEC as a whole and nationally TV wise.
2: Well, nobody in our part of the world has been to the college world series more than Texas mm-hmm. and Oklahoma played for a national championship <clears throat> against Ole Miss last year. Um, you know, when you, when you really break it down, what, what do they add? How about women's basketball of Oklahoma and Texas? How about mm-hmm. men's basketball? Uh, obviously the football traditions, are pretty non-obvious. Uh, every sport, golf, um, tennis, every one of their sports are really good. But I will say this, you know, when, when I was at Mississippi state, people would say, my goodness, you know, now you're going to have to compete against Oklahoma. Now you're going to have to keep competing mm-hmm. against Texas. Well, okay. What's the difference when I was at Mississippi state, what's the difference between those guys <laughs> in all those guys in LSU? What's the difference between those guys in Alabama or Georgia? You know, it, it's everybody in this league is good. And, mm-hmm. The thing I love about adding those two schools is you know that you're just making the league stronger. From year to year, certain teams might be really good or they might not be as good. You're just adding two teams that have the capability of being good a large portion of the time. So, um, yeah, anything that strengthens the brand of the Southeastern Conference, to me, is a really uh, a positive move, move forward.
3: Yeah, you talking about. Those sports didn't, we didn't mention softball where Oklahoma's uh-huh. and, and Texas are probably two of the top 10 programs in the country perennially and played each other in the World Series. Oklahoma won a national championship in gymnastics last year. I mean, <laughs> the list goes on and on. Uh, we, uh, while we're on that subject, John, um, schedule has been a big deal. The SEC just talked about um, in, in some of the other sports scheduling and a baseball and softball it's two permanent opponents kind of rotating football still to be determined. Um, how much discussion has there been, you know, in the league? Obviously, I'm sure there's been a lot just to try to kind of figure this thing out.
2: Well, Jason, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion, mainly because if we go to a nine-game schedule, we got to eliminate a non-conference no opponent 24, like, now. No like, yeah, I mean, and <laughs> our conference, we listen, the Southeastern Conference does a tremendous job with these things. I think by the time we get to Destin, which is one of our last meetings going into the summer, I, I, and that is a meeting with our football and basketball coaches, women's basketball coaches. When we get to that level, I, I think we will know if we were playing an eight or nine game schedule. But again, with a nine game schedule, you know, all of a sudden you you have an imbalanced schedule. You're playing four at home, five on the road, or five at, at home and four yes. on the road. You know. So there's going to be a competitive disadvantage for some people right out of the gate. You might also have some games that you would have to play two years in a row on the road in the same place. So conceivably with a nine game schedule, it's possible. Don't get alarmed Auburn fans, mean, <laughs> it's possible. Maybe an Auburn has to play Georgia on the road two years in a row um, because mm-hmm. it's an imbalanced schedule and there's going to have to be some of that just to work it out. You're dealing with an odd number of games. It's almost you know, an imperative, it's got to happen. So um, I see merits to an eight game schedule uh, for a a variety of reasons. The SEC certainly has not had a problem producing national champions and teams um, competing for national championships with an eight game schedule. But I also see the positive of a nine game schedule. You know, obviously um, with a nine game schedule, it's uh, better inventory for television television, Folks that cover us, uh, ESPN and CBS, uh, in the past will move into ESPN starting in, in 25. But I really believe that that there are good components to both, both playing an eight game and a nine game. Again, an eight game schedule, if you talk about an eight game schedule, which is what we've been playing, it's not broken. It hasn't prevented the SEC from being highly successful. But maybe nine games gives our fans in our stadiums uh, a better schedule to to watch in person. So you know, I, I I can both of them have merit, and and Dr. Roberts and I are studying this all the time because we want we want what's best for Auburn University.
3: Yeah, I know. Just quickly, um, the playoff possible expansion in, in playoffs in football mm-hmm. does that allow. When, when you start thinking about going, hey, you can afford maybe another loss in here. Does that does that maybe lend more towards, hey, nine games is doable because it may not hurt you as much as it, it as it would have maybe in the past.
2: Yeah, I, you know, Jason, that there are differing thoughts on that, and we're just not going to know until we have until we go through it. Yeah, uh, with, with a twelve-team playoff, does the SEC consistently get a third? maybe a fourth team into the playoffs. You just have to wait and see. Does a nine-game schedule affect that? Again, it's common sense to say if everybody in our league is playing a ninth game, 50% of the teams in our league are going to have a win and 50% of the teams (laughs) in our league are going to have a loss. So that one extra week is going to be a 50% winning percentage for the SEC. If that one week, that ninth week is definitely uh, an out-of-conference game, then the SEC is going to probably win significantly more than 50% of those games. And what does that do overall to the power rankings, and there are many of them, Mm -hmm. Southeastern Conference, and how does that affect our ability to get the most teams into a 12-team playoff? We don't know the answer to these questions just yet, but I think in a five-year window of scheduling, I think we will know and we'll be able to make better decisions moving forward. Well,
0: that's awesome, guys. Uh, i tell you what a great conversation. Uh, uh, like I said, our fans, Auburn family, like I said, whether you're just a, a subscriber or whether you're just part of the Auburn family or whether you just love Auburn, this is why we we participate. This is why, you know, you get involved uh, with everything that Auburn has going on. You know, our, our athletic director has taken out at least 30 minutes of his time to explain to everyone the rule changes and NIL and Know just the format of the Auburn program, and uh, we couldn't thank you enough for that, Mr. Cohen, and um, and and everything. So, you know, we don't want to hold you up too much longer, but we just uh, thank you for your time, and then want to give you a War Eagle,
2: War Eagle. Thank you, JCS. Thank you.
0: Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you.
2: War Eagle, everyone. College athletics is changing, and the Auburn family will respond. On to victory is the NIL collective of the Auburn Tigers, and they're leading the way. I encourage everyone to go to to ontovictory.com. Hey, Auburn family, let's continue to make a tremendous difference in the lives of these student athletes. War Eagle. War Eagle.
0: okay Auburn family uh, you just heard from our athletic director John Cohen uh, what a great great interview uh, what great insight about what's going on 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 the planes and also the rule changes in in college football and and, and baseball and just the dynamics of, of the entire platform uh, that's just making that's making a lot of noise this offseason. season so you know you don't want to because continue you don't want to miss out so continue to check in on our episodes and and just see who our next guests. Is going to be. And right now, speaking of that, uh, Jason Caldwell we got a, we got a special young man that's about to come on. You know, he's a transfer. I think he gonna do some big things for our program. Going to expect a big year from him. He's a big target. And uh I think Coach Freeze is excited in him and Coach Mon- Montgomery and how they're gonna utilize him in this offense. So let's make him wait no longer. Let's bring in Rivaldo Fairweather. Hey Rivaldo, how you doing?
4: What's up? I'm doing good.
0: Doing good. I see you, man. I see you. So you've been out there pro day today. Tell us a little bit about what you saw.
4: Yeah, I'm just taking it all in right now because you know soon I'll be out there. But um look, like Cam seeing Cam Newton was kind of fascinating too, because he was out there spitting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: he's a pretty he's a pretty big dude in person.
4: Uh I think yeah. a lot of people
0: realize that. But uh Rivaldo, talk about man, you know, you was recruited here, you you a transfer that came in. Uh, you know, y'all are in spring ball and and came really quick. But just talk about you know what you see so far and and how you feel like you're fitting in.
4: Yeah, it was it was really a blessing to be recruited by Auburn because I used to grow up watching Auburn all the time too. But coming here, seeing um like the way they practice is, is very different. It's, it's very organized. It's very competitive. Everyone on the team is good, and it's just it's just great work. Yeah.
0: I also know that you was a basketball player in high school. I was a basketball player in high school, and uh, actually it was my favorite sport. Um, yes, you know, a lot of people <laughs> don't know that I was you know, on the McDonald's list uh, as well. I didn't make the final 22, but I was around like 27, 28 from being able to play in the game. But, you know, you're a guy that, you know, very athletic, you know, can, can maneuver all over the field. Uh, just think about within this offense, how do you feel like you're going to fit in this year?
4: I feel like I'm feeling great uh, with the plan that Coach Freeze and Coach Monty has with the offense they're they're putting together. But th- that they've put together is is really great. Uh, I feel like I'm being u- utilized well in the um in the eight um, practices we had so far, and uh, I'll be a be a great addition to this offense. For you, what what's been the biggest adjustment
3: coming into this offense uh, from what you guys did at Florida International? I know there's. a a lot of RPO heavy and, and, and things yeah. y'all are trying to learn. What's been the biggest adjustment for you in learning this new
4: offense? Uh, the biggest adjustment is probably uh, probably the tempo of it. It's more faster, and um, but we we did some like some similar like fast stuff at at uh, FIU, but here it's like more faster, more tempo. It's it's like more like more different like route concepts in different ways like. They, they use utilize the tight end in this offense. It's just it, I love this offense, man. This, this is the best offense I've played in my whole college career. So,
3: well, yeah, we talked to we talked to Luke Deal uh, recently, and he talked about how the tight ends are in the route tree. You guys are mm-hmm. are running routes and all the routes everybody doing. How valuable is that as a tight end that has hopes of the NFL down the road? That you guys are actually running routes and doing things just like wide receivers do.
4: It's great. It's great. It, it, we get to showcase our, our talent that we we can run routes just like wide receivers can and that we 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 could be we have good uh, route running and we just be a great addition to this offense. It's it's different, but the way we the way we utilize the, the way they utilize us is is different because everyone like everyone can be at like any 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 spot on the field. It's not like we're always attached to the bar. We're always off the ball. We can line up at on the outside in the slot, number two, like we can line up all over the field. So it's 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 very great.
0: Yeah, and I would say Rivaldo, you know, the main thing too is, you know, just being able to to have some type of chemistry with your quarterbacks. Like uh, you know, we're not gonna ask you to talk about who's getting reps or whatever, but what's the continuity like when you're having to go with three different quarterbacks of trying to find that rhythm as a as a pass catcher?
4: Uh, it's, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of used to it because in my past, I had to, I worked with a lot of quarterbacks. So, but it's just, I like every quarterback has the mindset there to come in and work and, and they're competing. And it's going to be, it's going to be a show. We're going to see which one comes out of the starting job, but, uh, it's, it's, it's good working with, with the quarterbacks. I really like it. They're very competitive and, and coachable.
3: Rivaldo, what, it, what has life been like at Auburn for you now? It's in, I guess it's been three and a half months or so. Mid um, <laughs> in December, pretty quick when Hugh Freeze comes on board and you make that decision. What what's life been like now that you've been at Auburn for three months?
4: Life's been great. I, I love Auburn community because I, I never really been a part of like a, a college town, like a football team before, and like a like the culture of like Auburn and like everything is about Auburn football. Everywhere you go, everywhere I walk around, I got to get used to. Uh, saying War Eagle back to uh to, <laughs> to, to the people that I walk past because like when I wear my like my Arvin gear and stuff like they'll be like War Eagle but sometimes I forget but I gotta get I gotta get on top of that though but it's really great man like going to class like you see everyone wearing Arbor football stuff and and it's just everyone's friendly and it's just like everyone just inviting you with open arms
0: Yeah, you might well get used to saying Warrior call after you score that first <laughs> touchdown of yours this season. Everyone's going to know who you are. You're a big sit sits guy. You know, you got you that sit six. You got Landon King, is, what sits five, sits. Six. Then, and then you got Nick Martiner who sits five. And then you also have, am uh, I missing one? You got yourself. So you, yeah, you got a big outside yeah, too. So yeah, yeah, I think Bruce Pearl might come <laughs> over there and snag a few of you guys off the team, <laughs> and uh, put you on the basketball court uh, and that's everything. Right. But Rivaldo, talk about real quickly about NIL, you know, On to Victory, our collective, what NIL, you know, means for you and, and how how it helps you who you guys as student athletes.
4: Yeah, NIL, that's it's just a blessing from God because um, a lot of people like when they were in college, like back in the days, I know you were in college, you never had like <laughs> NIL and stuff. So like like us now, we, we're being able to take care of our families, take care of our younger siblings and also take care of ourselves. while in college, not only like with like fancy stuff but like shooting our bodies like eating right like making sure that we're all we're all doing the right thing and like especially he- helping our families one of the main things because uh me I'm, I'm i come from a single home with a um a single mom my, my my father passed away when i was younger so being able to help my mom in the, in the household and take care of my sisters and stuff giving um, give them money to go to school and stuff is really is really i'm really thankful for that so there's the NIL on the victory is really a blessing for me. Yeah. So,
0: JC, you have anything you want to add?
3: Yeah. I just I didn't going to get back to football for a second. For, for people right. ha, that haven't that haven't seen you, tell Auburn fans what you bring to the table and 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 what they might see on the field this fall.
4: Well, Auburn fans, you'll see a great playmaker, <laughs> an athletic tight end. One that y'all probably haven't seen before. But stay tuned for the show. I'm not going to say too much. I just wanted to show on the field. Well,
0: I'll well, I say this, buddy. Um, I got five quick questions I'm going to ask you. It's wrapping fire questions. So you just give us a, a quick answer just to let the people know you a little bit. Uh, I want everyone out here to know who Rivaldo Fairweather is. So when he scores that first touchdown and yes, uh, and everything, they can go crazy. So I'm going to go ahead and hit you with the first one. What, what do – what do you do to calm your butterflies before you compete in the game?
4: Uh, I, I pray, pray, I pray, 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 calms you down. Good. So I pray and talk to God. Okay. Okay.
0: Uh, do you have any rituals or superstitions?
4: Rituals like before the game? Yeah. Before the game. Uh, I know I always, um, call my mom before the game. Uh, Tell her I love her. Uh she prays for me and then I pray and I have this necklace. Uh it's it's of my dad. It's like I hold it in my hand and like I just close my eyes and like just visualize myself making plays in the game and stuff. So yeah, I got a couple of rituals. And then like, you know, when we run out the tunnel, I'll I'll take a knee in the end zone and um ask God for uh covering me and and thanking God for blessing me to run out here. That's what's up.
0: At what age did you start playing football?
4: Uh, I started playing football my junior year of high school because I I was always a basketball player. So that's what, like, age, like, what, 15, 16? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah bro. Describe so the one word.
0: Thing. One. What's <clears throat> one word to describe you?
4: One word? Ooh. I'll say... Uh, different, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last
0: one, we'll let you get out of here. Who is your favorite sports hero?
4: My favorite sport hero, yeah. Like,
0: it can be basketball, football,
4: anybody. Who's your favorite sports uh, hero? It can be Michael Jordan, LeBron, it can be Steph Curry, oh, okay. it could be anybody. Uh, my favorite sport hero, I like Kobe. Kobe was like, I see, the way he okay. attacks the game. i really i really like it all right well everybody
0: that's revaldo everybody fairweather Uh, thank you for coming on the show today man we definitely appreciate your time and uh chiming in letting the fans the auburn family everybody get to know you and uh learn a little bit more about you so when they see you on the field making plays this fall they'll have a little bit to go off so uh we yes, appreciate sir. your time, man, and go enjoy, have fun. We wish you help for the rest of the spring and the season. So, uh, yeah, have a great year, and uh, we appreciate you coming on, Roberto. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Right. Appreciate it. All yes,
3: right,
0: sir.
4: Buddy.
2: War Eagle. War Eagle. This is John Cohen, and I fully endorse On to Victory and its mission to support our student athletes. Let's all do our part and join On to Victory today. War Eagle.